Okay, you got a Bible? Anyone got a Bible? Galatians 4. I'm going to read uh, from uh, verse 12 to verse 20 of chapter 4. Brothers and sisters, I entreat you. Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you didn't scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They, that's the Judaizers, they make much of you. But for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make make much of them. It's always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I'm present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Father, I pray for your help in this sermon today. I pray... Lord, that as we dig around in this passage, we will find some gems. Help us, Lord, to really get to the heart of your heart in inspiring Paul to write this to them. I pray that we will be touched and moved and encouraged and helped and convicted. And that we will meet with you through the word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm sure by now you're all aware of the situation in Galatia. We've gone through some serious doctrine, haven't we? And those of you doctrine heads are like, more, more. And others of you are like, when are we going to come up for air? This week is when we're going to come up for air. Um, Because the, the, the tone changes hugely in this passage. It's no longer Paul's tightly woven almost lawyer-like arguments about the new covenant and the old covenant and what continues and what discontinues and Jew and Gentile and the law and curse and blessing. For a moment there's a pause on all of that. And in this passage he really just appeals to them. It's a very, very interesting passage. I think I counted, he refers to himself 18 times and to them 19 times. I, you, I, me, you, your, I, in, a, in just a few sentences. And what's his, what is going on is he's looking back to when he first met them. And he's saying, remember how it was when I first met you, when I first came to you and preached the gospel. Remember, why is it so different now? Why, why, why have you turned away from me in your heart? In turning away from the gospel, you're turned away from me. In turning away from me, you're turned away from the gospel. What's changed? What's caused it? And it really is a very desperate heart cry from a man who loves these people, referring to them as his little children. I mean, here's someone who just feels betrayed. He feels that he's been deserted. And yet his response is not to turn away himself, but he reaches out and he appeals to them with the very heart of God. He's a big-hearted man. And I want us to just look at the, the things that he says, and this week and probably next week, look at eight things about the gospel that we can see, even from the way he's relating to them and the things that he's talking about. The first thing he says is this, Brothers and sisters, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. 
Now, what's he saying there? Well, if you remember what he's just finished talking about, Dave Mance, last week, he's talking about slavery. He's talking about when you don't understand the gospel. When you don't realise and get into your soul that through what God has done in Jesus, you can be freed from every other kind of spiritual slavery. You can be freed from superstition. Living your life wondering, if I walk on these three manhole covers in a row, will it all go wrong from this point onwards? Or if I see a black cat, what's going to happen next? Freedom from that, and into kind of weird religious superstition. That even There's many superstitious Christians out there. When I prayed, I didn't pray quite the right words. Now God's not going to do that. And various other, frankly, bizarre ideas that lead to slavery. Here, pray this prayer and all will be well. Lucky charm Christianity. Superstitious nonsense. That's strong. Slavery. Well, I've got the word wrong. Oh, your tone, my tone was wrong. Fear. You've been freed from that through the gospel. I made one wrong decision and now the whole thing's, the whole thing's blow, the whole thing's gone. No, the will of God, that tightrope, the will of God, no, the tightrope, the will of God. I put a foot wrong. I'm just, I'm like, the rest of my Christian life is me hurtling into Niagara Falls. Why? Well, I, t- I put a step wrong, and we all know the will of God. You know, it's plan B now. Just, it leads to such anxiety, such fear. Observing certain days, special days, whether for just plain secular superstitious Friday the 13th reasons or for more Christian reasons for more in quotes more religious kind of reasons special day we don't do that on that day why? because it's that day because you're in slavery you're in slavery but through Jesus you can be in freedom this gospel message sets us free from all of that and then he says become as I am for I also have become as you are. He's saying, look at the freedom I walk in, become like me, because remember, I became like you. I did all that I could when I first came to you to relate to you. Remember in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, to a Jew, I become like a Jew. To a Roman, I become like a Roman. To those without the law, I become like those without the law. For those with the law, I'll live like that. He's a very flexible man. Why? Because it's like he wants to go to the ground floor, meet people there, take them with him up to the top floor. He doesn't just shout from the top floor saying, come up here, it's amazing. He lives out the gospel. Just like the Lord came from heaven to earth, he goes down, meets people where they are, relates to them, removes every possible stumbling block so that they would actually give them a hearing, brings the gospel of freedom, and when they receive it, they find themselves instantly in the penthouse suite. That's what he does. It's flexibility. Become as I am, because I became as you are. When someone understands the gospel, they can live a flexible life. Yeah, if I go to a certain nation or culture, I, 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 I will dress differently, you know. If I, went, if I go to, I don't know, let's imagine I, I don't know, you, you know, I went to a culture where a certain, my hairstyle was offensive. Imagine. <laughs> Perish the thought. If I did, then I would be very, it would, it would, in a moment, I'm happy to completely change my hairstyle. If I went somewhere and they found the way I dressed offensive, we'd just change it in a moment. Why? I want to get a hearing. My identity is not found in these things. This is what I'm clinging to. I'm clinging to the gospel. I'm clinging to one thing, the gospel. Everything else, we'll move, we'll move, no problem, we'll move, we'll shift it, it's fine. Does it work, doesn't it? Whatever, you know. 
It's interesting, I've, speak, I've spoken to some people who have planted churches and started churches and they're like, you've got to dress smart on a Sunday. I say, why? I said, well, where we are, well, where we are, if you don't, people will really stumble over that, generally. The culture we're in, they come along to visit your church and you, as someone who's serving, is not dressed smart, they're really going to stumble. That's going to be really, really hard for them. They, you, you, you won't get a hearing. So they dress smart. I was in a conversation recently, guys. I said, I said I'd, I'd do pretty much the opposite. Pretty much. I said, I said, well, why? I said, well, because what we're trying to do, more than anything else, is reach pagans. And the pagans around where we are really, really tend to hate anything institutionalised, anything that feels a little bit institutionalised religion. That is going to cause stumbling blocks straight away. We remove it. Why? Gospel. I go somewhere else. Somewhere else. It's, this is not my identity. My identity is in Christ. But we do what we can to remove stumbling blocks wherever we are and whoever we're with. This is why Paul got Timothy circumcised. Because he was half Jew, half Gentile, and, they, and he was reaching Jews and Gentiles. And he knew if he had someone with him who was half Jew, reaching Jews, but he wasn't circumcised, it was going to cause loads of problems, so he got him circumcised. Nothing to do with circumcision, it's to do with reaching people. When you understand the gospel, you're flexible. And you can say to people, become like me, look at this freedom I live in, because I've become like you. First thing. So I'm... I'm, 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 I'm urging you away from rigid ideas around style, dress, clothing, diet, all of these things, rigid ideas, holding on to stuff that's not about the gospel. And mature people hold everything light but Jesus. Because this is the gospel. It's exactly what, it's exactly, I mean, look at, look at the amount of changes God made to reach us. Just for a moment, he became a man. And now forever in the Godhead of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, there's a man. That's a pretty big change, am I right? That's, please appreciate that. <laughs> please, please appreciate, if you, especially if somebody doesn't like change, appreciate the gospel is a message of a massive change in the heart of God. Mass, not, not that he suddenly changed his mind or heart to love us, but that in, in the incarnation, in the eternal son becoming Jesus of Nazareth, a change took place, if you like, in the substance of the Godhead that has remained forever. It's incredible. Absolute why To reach us. God comes down to ground floor, meets us, and takes us up to penthouse. It's gospel stuff. That's why we live the same way. Second thing. Health challenges. You know it's because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Paul, we don't get the details of this in Acts on his journey, but he's, we, we've got some details here. He actually stopped at Galatia. Seems like he was going to just go through, but he stopped because he got ill. Now, have any of you ever struggled with this strange tension of hearing about amazing miracles happening... And sometimes seeing some yourself, maybe, but struggling long term, either with some ailment in yourself or in others around you that doesn't seem to get healed. Anyone ever experienced anything like that? Okay, it's a common experience of charismatic Christians. Spare a moment for Paul. Paul has been at times in the situation where if he, if, if he gave someone a handkerchief that he touched, they would be healed. Acts 19. He's seen some stuff. He's seen God move. He's raised the dead. And he got ill. He got ill. 
And it seems like it was a, it seems like from the text, the best we can do is it most likely was a pretty vile eye condition. Otherwise, verse 15, I testify, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me, doesn't really make much sense. It's just a bit of a weird thing to say. You love me so much, you would have pulled your eyes out. I mean, it's just odd. Has anyone ever said that to you before? No, you know, you know, imagine it, romantic meal out, you know. I love you so much. I'm going to pop my eyes out and give them to you after dinner. You go, what are you talking about? That's gross. Why would Paul say this? Most likely, and the language used when he says things to them like, though my condition was a trial to you, it seems like it was pretty gross. The, 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 the original language in the Greek that these words are used to describe something which is just kind of like, oh man, look at you. That's the kind of idea we've got here. So Paul turns up and his eyes are wrecked. This great apostle... And they welcome him, and they love him, and they serve him. I want to just address for a moment this tension that we live in around healing and health. The reality of the age we live in is that it's a broken age. It's an age that is uh, marked by decay. This age will come to an end, the Bible teaches, and God will create a new heavens and a new earth, and that age will not be marked by decay, but will be brilliantly, perfectly new forever. But the age we live in is marked by decay. That means even when we see amazing miracles happen, it doesn't stop the decay. For example, Lazarus in John 11, whom Jesus raised from the dead, I've got some sad news for you. He died again. He's not still alive, is he? He was raised by a miracle from Jesus, but because he lives in the age of decay, his body still grew old and died. People who get healed sometimes then get ill again. I'm not saying sickness is good or okay. It's not. It's part of the fall. It's basically premature death. It's part of that whole enemy realm. At its heart, it's satanic. I'm not saying if you're ill, you've got Satan's in you. I'm not saying in that sense, but I'm saying it's part of that realm. It's not part of the kingdom. When you see Jesus going around, you see the part of the kingdom is healing. You see that. The The whole thing was this gospel of the kingdom involved a message for the soul, but also a message for the body, for the mind. There was healing and restoration that followed Jesus wherever he went, as we heard earlier. What, 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 what are we to expect now? That's the tricky bit. Because we live in the age where the kingdom of God has been inaugurated by all that Jesus has done on the cross and by his resurrection. That's why Jesus said the message is this. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is among you. The kingdom has come, but it's not been consummated. The kingdom is consummated when Jesus returns. So we live in an age of now and not yet. So what are we to expect? We are to expect decay. We are to expect trouble and affliction physically. Okay? We are also to expect the kingdom of God, which is an ever-increasing kingdom, to increasingly be breaking in, bringing healing. When those healings come, we don't then expect that we're going to be perfectly healthy necessarily forever. Sooner or later, unless Jesus returns, we will die. So we live in an age where we are kind of torn. And all all I know is this, is that the Bible teaches that the kingdom of God is is ever-increasing. Therefore, we should be believing ever-increasing outbreaks of God's healing power among us as we pray, which is why we are pressing in for healing. And we will keep pressing in for healing. But what we won't do is feel ashamed or guilty if we remain sick. 
Because Paul here is not ashamed to say, I came to you because of an illness. You understand the tension here? Here's a man you think, if anyone should be ashamed, it's him. He's an apostle. He's seen amazing miracles. He's God's man. And he's saying, oh yeah, you remember when I came to you, the reason was I was sick. It's almost like it's just in passing. You think, he's not, there's no sense of guilt or shame like he's a failure because he's been ill. People get ill. People get ill. What is our responsibility to do? To pray and believe and to press in for healing. But in a way that is full of grace. What I love about the Bethel Church, in uh, the church where Bill Johnson and other people like that we're familiar with, they don't just, they're not just going for it in healing. They have a team dedicated to care for those who don't get healed. That's what we're after. Yeah? Love and miracles. That is, that is what we are to go for. Absolutely to go for healing. We're not to settle for some weird halfway thing where we kind of pray for people. Yeah? Let's kind of pray for people. Because, uh, you know, if they don't get healed, it's okay. No. Let's go for it. And let's really, really keep loving people and not blame them or make them feel ashamed if they don't get healed. And let's live in the mystery of it. Yeah? Are you with me? Can you hear me? Are you resonating this? Because it kind of feels quiet. Okay, fine. I want to make sure that I'm getting through here. It's really important. You've got to go for it. You've got to pursue the kingdom. So Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, and part of kingdom is healing. The kingdom of God is not talk, but power. We've got to go for it. Okay, we've really, really got to go for it. We've got to believe God for it and see breakthrough in this area. Physical uh, illness, uh, mental illness, we've got to pray and expect God for healing. He loves to break in and heal. We've got to go for it. But there's never to be any sense of shame or guilt if you don't get healed. But just a load of love and compassion. You with me? Yeah. That's gospel. That's what we're going for. That's the mix and the tension that we get in the New Testament. We just learn to walk in the tension. We learn to walk in it. And there's lots of question marks all in the air. And you just, we're still going. We haven't got all the answers. We're going to just keep going. We're going to pursue God. And we're going to trust Him. So physical challenges. Thirdly, I love this. Though my condition was a trial to you, you didn't scorn or despise me. I mean, this guy there with his swollen up eyes, this man with this great reputation, the Apostle Paul, and he's there with his all manky, gunky eyes, swollen up. You can't see a thing. You think, man, alive. He, they said this, you didn't scorn or despise me. You received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. You got this man. Now, this Paul was known for not being very physically impressive. In another one of his letters, he has to answer this charge that his letters and writing are really very forceful. But when he turns up, we're like, this guy, you know? I mean, bear in mind for a moment the sort of suffering he'd faced physically. I mean, you know, he's, going to be in, he's not going to be doing too well. Yeah? Not impressive. Not impressive. Not impressive. But you treated me like an angel. Or even like Jesus. And he's, he's, affer- he's, 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 he's commending them here for this. How do we treat one another, particularly the unimpressive? How do we treat the unimpressive? We live in such a superficial cosmetic world where I just, you know, it breaks my heart when I think the quality of life some people have compared with another, the simple and, and it's so different, and the only reason is one appears more impressive than the other. There's, that is all there is to it. One is much, much more the world's idea of beauty than the other. Or the world's idea of someone you, you, you should be around, someone you should know, and the other person isn't. Paul says, I was a mess, and you treat me like Jesus. 
What is that? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. God didn't come to us because we're lovable. <laughs> we, we, we were like Paul, but just the one big aching sore of sin. The whole thing, um, manky, gunky, oozing with pus, sin situation. Fallen from glory. Rebellious, proud, defensive, self-centred. Haters of God. Blasphemous, idolatrous. You think, man, oh. And he comes to us. He comes to us and he washes us. And he, he woos us. He, wo- he woos us. He, what? It's like he turns it into a romance. He says to his son, I've got a bride for you. <laughs> what? And Jesus goes, she's amazing. What is this? Because the love of God beautifies us. The very power of the gospel love of God makes us beautiful. So we are recipients of this incredible grace and love. We find find that this God has treated us like princes and princesses and kings and queens. And and he he raises us up and seats us in Christ. Christ. With him in the heavenly places. See, what is, what, what is this? This is the gospel. This is the grace of God. This is the love of God. And then God says, now live out the gospel yourselves. Now, now live like this. Do we honour one another? Or do we notice that little scab or that little oozing pus thing? And we go, oof, no thank you. Or oh, stay away from that one. Or oh, don't put me on a team with that one. They're a bit funny. Of course they are. Of course they're a bit funny. You're a bit funny. <gasps> Aren't you? I'm a bit funny. See, it's not the nice people club, is it? It's not what this is. God's, got, God's broken into our lives. We've received grace. It's not about impressiveness, it's about grace of God. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. And even when we're out there in the world, when we're outside of our Christian circle, you know, there's still something of that. There's still something of that. How can I put it? It's, it's still contingent upon us to, to express those gospel values, whether we're with other believers or people who don't believe in Jesus at all or, or don't know really what they believe. But how, how are they to see Christ in us? It's that we go to the last or we go to the least. Yeah, and we're not too busy, special, or important to do so. But that we give time. Why? Because he gave time to me when I was like that. And he has made me brand new, and I'm not what I was. But you know what? If he were to cast me away, it wouldn't be long before I'd be looking exactly how I was looking. And so I embrace in my heart that same thing. It's a gospel value to show honour. To show honour. To meet other people at the ground floor and do my best to get them to the top floor. So come on, come on. 
It's so important. I no longer regard people according to their flesh. You know, that's what Paul says. We no longer, we no longer regard people according to the flesh, how, how they would be viewed naturally. Oh, you're this type, or oh, you're that kind. Oh, we'll categorize you there. Oh, okay. Oh, you speak like that, so we'll put you there. Oh, you come across that way. Oh, you smell like that. Oh, so we'll, 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 you fit just there. We no longer do that. Why not? Because the whole thing's been blown apart by the gospel. We see people differently now. We just we recognize you're either lost or found. And if you're found, I'll call you my brother or sister. And if you're lost, I'll try and love you to Jesus. And that's it. Oh, it's gospel. It's gospel living. And we're to look to prefer one another and build one another up. And, and we've, got to get, we've got to come to terms with this. We've got to come to terms with this. To be able to look one another in the eye and encourage one another and build one another up. Why? That's what he does with us every day, isn't it? I mean, that's what he does with us every day. I, when, I, you know, when I wake in the morning, my tendency is not, not to feel like I'm the king. You know, I don't know what I'm thinking, you know, the first couple of hours, you know. But God in his mercy breaks through, normally by about 11 a.m., you know. And I start to hear <laughs> encouraging words of God. I think, wow, he's still for me, he's still saying the same stuff. This is incredible. I want, to, I, want, I want that to flow out from me through to others. He's saying this is what it used to be like when we had the gospel. When you had the gospel, this is how you treated me because you understood what it was like. And then there's this final thing we're going to do today, which is he says, he says, um, my condition was a trial to you. It was a trial to you. It wasn't an easy thing. Paul turning up, <laughs> staggering in, eyes all swollen. You know, it was actually, it cost them. It cost them to look after him. And this whole idea of sacrificial, sacrificial service. But joyful. It wasn't, you didn't, you didn't get a sense that it was a trial to him. Like, man, wow, this guy needs some looking after. But it, wasn't a, it wasn't a trial in the sense that it was like something they didn't want to do. He said, wow, no, let's honour him. Let's, there was sacrificial service. And I tell you, this is, such a, this is so, so big. I, this is such a big, big deal. Because it's pure gospel again, isn't it? Think, why, are we, why are we where we are? Because Jesus died for us. Right? So, so what's my life going to look like? It's going to look like death and resurrection as I sacrificially serve others. In whatever way that is. Number one, according to your gifts. Whether it's preaching and speaking or music or set up or hospitality, we, do, we, we sacrificially serve. It's not, it's not just, well, I'll, I'll get away with the bare minimum. It's, like, it's, not, it's gospel. It's gospel. I want to give myself. I want to absolutely give myself. Why? Because this is gospel stuff. I want to live before the Lord and not man. I'm not trying to impress other people. I want my life to be an outpouring of, of praise and sacrifice. Why? Well, because that's the gospel. That's what he did for me. It's like the woman with the jar of perfume. She smashed it and poured it all over him. And the smell of it just filled the room. The whole smell that filled the room. And Jesus said, she's done a beautiful thing. She's anointed my body for burial. It's just a beautiful moment. But this perfume cost so much. And she just smashed it and poured it all over him. And the maths of it, and the logic of it, and it didn't make any sense. And Judas is saying, well, that could have been given to the poor. But really, he was thinking, I could have had some of it. And Jesus said, you'll always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. Give your best to me. Give your best to me. And it causes to, it causes to pour ourselves out. And I, I, you know, I've been a Christian for 21 years now, I think. <laughs> I lose track after a while. I don't remember how old I am. Uh, and what I've found is, is the shocking thing, the shocking thing about it all, is that 
He just wants me to give myself to him and to his purposes and to his people. And he never ever calls me to be anything more impressive than I can be. Can't he be me? But he says, give yourself to me and my purposes and my people. And there'll be times where you feel all broken up as you do that. You'll feel broken to pieces. But when you do that, there's a fragrance that's going to come. It's going to be like perfume. And, it, and, and, and Jesus will say, that's a really beautiful thing. And even if no one else sees it or notices it, Jesus is a beautiful thing. And that's what he calls us to. He calls us to go and die with him. He bids us come die with him. As one famous theologian has said, whose name I've forgotten. He bids us come. And only Jesus, can, only Jesus has got the substance to be able to ask, almost invite you into that as if it was a good thing. Come die with me. But he promises if you die with him, you will live with him. If you go to the cross with him, you'll experience the glory with him. And I do want to call you into sacrificial service of Jesus Christ. To pour out your life for him again and again and again. And know that as you do so, he will replenish you. He will fill you. He will give you what you need. But we're not to live our life as Judas calculating in the corner. Oh yeah, but if then, well let's just take the lid off and put a bit... Screw it back on, put it on the shelf. Let the whole room be filled with the fragrance. Because I know Jesus, and I know what he'll go and do. He'll go and give you another bottle. When, when, when this, he'll give you another bottle and go and smash that one too. Because all the bottles of perfume belong to him. Yeah? He'll just give you another one. I dare you to give yourself to Christ freshly. I dare you. I dare you to just say, I'm all yours again, Jesus, today. I'm all yours again. I dare you to say... I am going to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and trust everything else is going to be added to me. I'm going for the kingdom. I dare you to say it again today. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I dare you. Why not? It's exciting. It's exciting. But what if it doesn't work out? If it, if it does, I love in quotes. What if it doesn't work out? What it means is, what if what I think is going to happen doesn't happen? That doesn't equal not working out. <laughs> that means that your particular plans that you thought uh, it's a different thing it'll work out throw yourself into his hands it'll work out it has to work out he's faithful underneath are the everlasting arms you're in his hand no one can snatch you out it has to work out of course it'll work out trust Jesus trust him it's fun it's crazy sometimes you lie in bed you think what am I doing and you think, well, what's the other option? Trust Jesus. This is just gospel truths. I'm just trying to show you the conversation, the dynamic, and say it's gospel, it's gospel, it's gospel, it's gospel. We are to be flexible and hold all things loose except Jesus and the gospel. We are to recognise that we are treasures, but we're in a jars of clay. There is frailty, there is illness, there are these things. We are to go for healing, absolutely, whilst recognising that the kingdom will not be consummated until the return of Christ. And at that point, there will be no more tears, there will be no more sadness, there will be no more death. We are to honour one another. We are to go as low as we can go and help bring others into a place of somehow coming to know Christ only God can do it but we're to, we're to meet people where they're at like God met us where we're at and we're to pour ourselves out for him because he 
has poured himself out for us. It's just living after the gospel pattern. That's what I'm calling you to do today. This is what Jesus is calling you today. It's exciting. It's scary. It's hair-raising. You don't know. You know. You don't know what the next day is going to bring. But you know what? You didn't anyway. So uh, you just thought you did. Okay. So it's okay. It's okay. Calling you to risk. Calling you to adventure. Calling you to know Him. Why don't we stand? Right. Well. Um, what should we do? Thank you, God. Some of you are desperately bored. Just desperately bored. And you're bored, you're bored because you've, you've, what you've effectively done is, is that you've, you've gone for control. And now you're thinking, it's boring. where it goes Jesus wants to release you from that today Holy Spirit I, I really I, I, just, on, just thrown on you because I, I uh, I've sort of preached my heart out and uh, trust that you would have used some bits to touch people and now I want to pray that you would help people help people to find the Lord Jesus freshly. I pray. I pray just help people to... It's not about some great heroics, right? It's not about, oh, I'm going to go there, I'm going to do this. No, it's just about, it's just about getting your heart, which, which as Smith Wigglesworth said, needs softening a thousand times a day. Okay? It's about getting that, that old thing again and bringing it to him again and saying, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I'm going to live the life of faith, not sight. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue you. I just feel for some, in a kind of grace-filled way, God's saying, I want more of you. I want more of you. You're protecting yourself fundamentally. You're protecting yourself. You don't need to. He'll protect you. He will protect your heart. He will protect your heart. Wow. Oh, God. Thank you. Thank you for... uh, Thank you for the way that you do things, Lord. Wow, thank you. Let's just be still for a moment. When God called Gideon, one of the first things he did was go out at night time and slay slay a load of idols that had been set up in the city. He did it at night time because he was scared. He was scared of if anyone saw him, but he chopped them down nevertheless. And what happens so quickly is idols get up in our hearts. We start worshipping other things more than the Lord, whether it's comfort, convenience, reputation, respectability, money, plans, you name it. And God says, come on, cut it down. Cut it down and worship me. Cut it down and, and let me be enough for you. Let me be enough for you. And uh, 
love us to sing a kind of Jesus is enough type song, Sammy. I'm sure you've got one of them up your sleeve. Where is he? Is that all right? Yeah. I want us to make a response to Christ. Basically saying, Jesus, you're, you're enough for me. You're enough. Can you say that in your heart today? You're enough. I'm content with you. I'm satisfied with you. If all I ever have is you, that's more than enough. My cup overflows. My cup overflows.